Awesome. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to chapter uh, 6 in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 6 in the book of Hebrews. Today we're going to um, go part two of what we were talking about last week. Yeah, you don't have to turn there yet. We're not going to get there for a bit there, Aubrey. I was just helping them out. Awesome. You guys there? Three of you? (laughs) Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Man, I never, I never was, uh, went to church as a child, but, you know, sometimes as the older I got, whatever I see in children's ministries, they would have those things where they'd throw out a reference and kids would race to it. We need to do that sometimes so you can win, all right? We're going to go in verse 1. Here we go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. God, we know it's alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Lord, we just believe today, God, that you're going to speak directly to our hearts. So, Lord, we come today, God, with great expectation, great hunger. Father, we thank you today that, uh, God, you just desire to speak to us in a real way. So, Lord, we just open our ears and we open our hearts, God, and we ask you to fill it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, uh, to be honest with you, starting off here, uh, I felt kind of insecure about this because I was like, man, I don't feel like I, I don't really have a Father's Day message. And I just felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, yeah, but it's okay. You have a message from the Father. So, so today, li- listen, uh, today I just encourage you to open your heart up and just receive uh, what the Lord will say. Amen. So listen, last week we started a new series called Foundations. Now, the basis of this series is simply this, okay? It's simply from the fact that throughout the Bible, God compares or God likens us as believers to a building. Now, that may sound really odd, but uh, when you look at what the Scripture says, it really makes sense because it's this. Because they, you know, as we all know, the, the first and foremost uh, important feature of a building is what? It's its foundation. And it's the same as us as Christians. Our foundation is the most important part of our lives. Amen? So listen, it's from this foundation that God's trying to establish in our life. That's the base that our spiritual lives stand on. And that's the spiritual base that our lives grow from. So it's what we stand on and it's also what we grow from. So let me kind of throw this out at you. Um, you know, in my, in my mind, I'm just thinking, man, if I'm going to build a foundation, then I'm going to want to make sure that I'm using the building materials that the Lord is suggesting for me to use. That would be wise, wouldn't it? So it's kind of like this. In my head, I just think, man, if God is shopping at Vikings, then I'm shopping at Vikings. If God is on aisle four at Lowe's, I'm on aisle four at Lowe's. If he, what, literally, what I see him put in his cart, I'm going to put it in my cart. I'm going to make sure that I'm following his lead in this, yes? So here's the cool part about this is you and I don't have to sit back and wonder, okay, God, what's on your building material list? What are the things that you are, are putting in your shopping cart? What are the things that you're going to use to build the foundation? The reason we don't have to wonder is because the Bible already tells us what's on that list, right? And that's why we're in Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to look at this list together. It says this in verse 1. It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles or the beginning principles of Christ. In other words, these are things that uh, basically that every Christian needs to get from the get-go. Just as when you entered school and you got basic math, this is basic math. When you got basic spelling, this is basic spelling. All right? So it says, it says, let us go on to perfection or let us move on to maturity. And it says, not laying again the foundation. Somebody say foundation. foundation. So the foundation of repentance from dead, from repentance from dead works and of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. So here we go. God is telling us to the writer in Hebrews, 
that there are six teachings or six doctrines that every believer needs to have in their foundational shopping cart. Okay? So it's the doctrines of these. We'll go through it again. Here's the list. Repentance from dead works, faith toward God, baptisms, gnosis plural, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into the first one, and uh, I'll go ahead and let you know we're not going to cover all of it, but we're going to get a, a good chunk of it today. Is that all right? Yes. So we're talking about repentance from dead works, repentance from dead works. Now, I'm sure most of us in this room have heard the word repentance or the, heard, the word uh, repent before, but there's a few things that I believe that are essential if we're really going to grab a hold of God's heart or if we're going to really have clarity on this subject. Okay, so it's going to be really simple. The first one is this. I got three points for you today. The first one is this, is that repentance is a core message of the gospel. That repentance is a core message of the gospel. Hang tight with me. When we look at the Bible, we see uh, basically the message of repentance preached not only to individuals, but also to entire cities and even entire nations all throughout the Old Testament by these men that were called prophets. Now, obviously, these prophets would show up on the scene and, uh, you know, they were from various different backgrounds, uh, you, you know, had different basically styles, different approaches. But one thing was sure that when they opened their mouth, all they were uh, was a spokesman for God because God began to speak. And, and literally, if you read the Old Testament again and again and again and again, you would see them call once again individual cities and even nations back to the heart of God. They would call people to repent. And so let me give you an example of that today. Uh, it's found in Jonah, chapter 3, 3 through 10. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Jonah? It says this, it says, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. We know it's the second time God tried to get his attention after he was in the fish. God got his attention. All right, here we go. So Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Big city. It says, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted at the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. How many of you guys know that will get somebody's attention? Maybe we need to go around some town and start hollering something, right? Anyways, so it says in verse 5, it says, The people of Nineveh believed God's message. Somebody say God's message. I want you to notice this was not Jonah's message. It was God's message. There's a difference. Amen. And it says, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap. Your translation may say sackcloth and ashes. That was a, a representation to show that they were repenting. So once again, it says to show their sorrow. Verse 6 says, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. That is revival, folks. Revival happens literally when we, as people, step off the throne of our lives and we surrender that throne to the Lord Jesus. Amen. And we literally take off all of our stuff and say, God, forgive us for what we've done. Amen. So it says this. It says that he dressed himself in burlap, sackcloth, and sat on a heap of ashes. Fast forward to verse 10. It says, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways. See that there was an action in this. We'll talk about that more in a few weeks. But when God saw that they had done and how they put a stop to their evil ways, in other words, he saw the repentance, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So let's do this. Let's fast forward six to seven hundred years into the New Testament. Another fiery prophet named John the Baptist rolls up on the scene and he had one message. And what was John's message? It was this. Matthew 3, 1 and 2 says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying what? 
Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. You got to say it like with some attitude when you say that word, right? You got to say repent. Anyways, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So fast forward again. Here's John. He's thrown into prison. Jesus is commissioned and he begins his earthly ministry. What was Jesus' message? Look at Matthew 4, 17. It says, from that time Jesus began to preach and, and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Fast forward again. Jesus dies on the cross. He is resurrected from the dead. Then we see the torch passed to the disciples. What was the disciples' message? I know I'm going fast. I'm going there intentionally. Look at Acts 2, 3, uh, 38. It says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins. Here's a simple point I want to make to you guys. doesn't matter how far we go back. doesn't matter how far we go forward. Listen, it doesn't matter if it's the prophet, if it's John the Baptist, if it's Jesus himself, if it's disciples, if it's Apostle Paul, if it's Charles Spurgeon, if it's D.L. Moody, if it's Billy Graham, or if it's some random, uh, you know, Joe sitting on a park bench telling somebody about Jesus, just witnessing. The gospel message is, and it will always be, uh, repentance. Amen? Amen. Listen, in fact, I want you to know today that it's impossible to become a true follower of Christ without first repenting. The Bible clearly says that we need to repent and believe. Amen. So listen, the gospel message is really simple. A person comes and they repent of their sins. And what they do, they believe. But believe is more than just some intellectual head knowledge of God. Believe actually in the, in, in the Bible language is to put our trust in, to put our faith in, to put our confidence in what? The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how we get born again. That's how we become a son and daughter of God. Amen. So the reason I'm telling you this is kind of a warning because there's a really popular teaching rolling through the church at the moment. And, and that teaching is, is borderline heresy. Is that fair enough to say? I, listen, I am not, I am not the guy that, that rolls up and points fingers at other preachers. I, I do my best to stay away from that and uh, let God sort all that out. That's, that's above my pay grade. Uh, but there is, a, there is a spot, though, that, that, man, so many people are being deceived uh, because, because they're thinking that you can come into the kingdom of God. They're preaching that you can come into the kingdom of God without having your sins dealt with first. They understand that Jesus came to what? To save us from our sins. He didn't come down to give us a big bear hug. Okay, in other words, I, I love the grace message. I believe in grace. I believe in mercy. But, but grace and mercy collide when there's repentance. That's when it happens. Amen. So let me kind of give you a, a quote from old guy, Charles Spurgeon. He said this, and I, and I really want to say this just simply because of the first statement that he made. But he said this. He said, too many think lightly of sin and therefore think lightly of the Savior. That is so accurate for the, most of the church today. Are, are you all hearing me? I believe he's a good father. I know he's a good father. But, but sometimes we have, we have brought the, the goodness of God so strong, so much to the forefront, that we drove it in the ditch. You know, just like if we re- rewind, we believe in holiness, but you can take holiness and drive it in the ditch as well. Yes? And, and, and that's how you find legalism. Okay, so, so there's a part that, guess what, God wants us to roll in the middle of the road. And part of that is understanding that, yes, there's still a holiness side of God, and there is a love side of God. And you can't lean too heavily either way. Is that all right if I say that? So, I, let, me just, let me just stay right there for a second. Here's what that produces. When people, when people view sin too lightly, that produces Christians who... Uh, really resemble the world. 
You, you, you know, I, I, saw, I saw an old bumper sticker years and years and years ago, and it said this. I was walking through a parking lot, and, and I looked over, and, uh, and I saw this sticker on the glass of a, of a car. And it basically said this. It said that if you were basically brought to court, basically for your Christian faith, would there be enough evidence to convict you? I, I'm, I'm sad to say that a large portion of the church wouldn't. And that's not being mean. That's just being honest. Is that okay to say that? It's being honest. That, that you, you know, I'm amazed that literally there was a young man in our church, and I may offend somebody with saying this, and it's all right. Um, a young man that ended up basically left the church and ended up, we ended up taking him to a youth camp, made him believe that he was a leader on the youth camp, and then he got wrought by God, and then he... Now he's doing good. Okay, so we, we kind of tricked him in a way, or gave him an opportunity. We'll say it that way. Um, love the guy. He's awesome. But he told me this. He said, PQ, he said, uh, you know, I was, I was hanging out in a bar one day. And uh, he said, I, I was sitting there looking at some guys in there. And I said, now, where do I know you from? And he found out that they were youth leaders at a church in our town. And even in his own heart, away from God, he was like, something's wrong with that. Yes, because he said there's no difference between us, right? The only, the only difference was there's one recognized he was far from God. The other one thought, well, grace covers it all. We're good. Amen? So too many think lightly of sin and therefore think lightly of the Savior. If you think lightly of sin, man, you're going to think Jesus. You're not going to think much about him. Truth, right? What he did for you. It says, he who stood before his God, convicted and condemned, and with a rope about his neck, is the man to weep for joy when he is pardoned, to hate the evil which he has been forgiven him, and to live to honor of the Redeemer by whose blood he has been cleansed. That's good. I know it's kind of a different language than we use today, but that's good. Amen? Man, that there's a Redeemer that saved us. Listen, it's this understanding about... That it's our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. Don't take that lightly. That God had to leave heaven, become a man, die on the cross because of this. And, you know, listen, I guess the, the thing, if I could just move on and whatever, I'm kind of meddling here, but, but he just doesn't wink at it. So often we think, ah, he just weeks at it. And, uh, you, you know, I'll go ahead and throw this out when we come back in two, two more weeks when we start here. Uh, I want to really major on what false repentance is. Because I think that's where so much of the church is. It's in false repentance, and it's not in genuine repentance. Amen? Amen. All right, so listen, let me get back on track here. If we want to stay true to God's heart, we can't remove repentance from the gospel message. If we remove repentance from the gospel message, uh, we're going to lead people to false conversions. And I say this to you, you go, well, why are you saying that? Everybody look at me. Everybody in this room is called to be a soul winner for Jesus. It is, we are called by God to lead people to Christ. And if, we, and if we don't understand the repentance piece of this, then we're going to lead people to a false conversion. What's going to happen to them is they're going to make an intellectual, uh, powerless, uh, empty decision. It's going to be a hollow faith. It's not going to be real. It's not going to stick. Amen? So watch this. Let me give you another mistake that I've seen other really good-hearted people make over the years. They believe repentance is only for beginners. I'm going to explain this. They believe repentance is only for beginners. But the truth is, and here's number two, it is for every child of God. Repentance is for every child of God. The reason I'm saying this is because I, I feel like people don't understand for the baby Christian, for the mature Christian... It's for all of us. In other words, there's not one spot that I go, well, I've repented 20 years ago. Now I'm kind of good. 
I, I, you know, I, I literally had somebody tell me in the last year, and, and they said, you know, I have nothing to repent of in my life. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I'm jealous. Right? I'm like, man. I mean, but they said with such confidence, I have nothing to repent of. And, and I got to be honest with you. I was around them for a few days. They have stuff to repent of. And, and, and I say that in all kindness, but, but what, it, what it showed me is, is that they really don't have the proper view of how God views sin. Yes? Now, now listen, there's a balance to this. I'm not saying we walk around and beat ourselves up nonstop. That's not what I'm saying. But, but there's an understanding that, you know, we don't ever really outgrow or graduate uh, the need for repentance. Amen? And, you know, I do believe the older we get in the Lord, the less we need to be repenting. Okay, because because the goal here is not to become professional repenters. The goal is to become like Jesus. And the more you become like Jesus, the less you'll need to repent. But your heart's still got to be pliable. I guess that's really what I'm saying. Okay, it's got to be moldable. All right. So anyway, so the people who uh, believe that that repentance is only for beginners, what they do is they relegate repentance to only those who come into the kingdom. So what happens is, is uh, they think once a person has become a child of God, that there's no need. Get these words for further repentance. Kind of being redundant here. Uh, But here's why. Because the Holy Spirit is what they believe. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't doesn't or no longer convicts believers of their sin. Once again, I'm jealous. (laughs) Because my experience would say much different. Right? I'd pop off, say something to my wife that was in the flesh. Here comes Holy Ghost. Right? And he's, and, and, and there, and listen, there is a conviction that follows. Yes? Amen? I'm the only man. Amen. All right. I'm glad all you guys are doing great. <laughs> but, but here, here's this, this underlying thing that's in this teaching is that, that the Lord doesn't point out your sin, that the Lord doesn't point out your wrong actions, that the Lord doesn't point out uh, your wrong thinking. That, and here's what, what they say, okay? It's because this, because the Holy Spirit will never make you feel bad. I'm thinking, what are we, the YMCA? <laughs> You, you know, I'm like, come on, right? The why, sorry, it's changed, right? So it's, uh, but, but, um, but the Holy Spirit would never make you feel bad. And the reason he doesn't make you feel bad is because then you would think he doesn't love you. Right. Here's the problem with that, guys, is, is it flies in the face of this. Hebrews 12, 7 through 11. It says, as you endure this divine discipline, this is the word, not Quentin, this is, God talking. Remember that God is treating you as his own children. We could stop there, but we'll keep going. It says, whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. It says no discipline is enjoyable. Why is happening? It's painful. Can I get an amen? It says, but afterwards there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Let me just ask you a simple question. If, if, you, if you have children in here, lift a hand. Some of y'all don't even want to admit that you have some kids, because I know a few of y'all got kids. Thank you. Thank you. That's like, I, I'm looking at one man, and he only wants knowledge. I maybe don't like him. I don't know. Whatever. But anyways, once again, lift your hand. 
Okay. All right. So if you if you still have children at home, keep your hand up. Okay. Awesome. Good deal. Watch this. Okay. Um, so when you discipline them, so if you did or if you do, did you do it because you didn't love them? It's quite the contrary, right? That you absolutely discipline your children because you love them. Because you love them. And so this teaching, once again, that's all this, you know, all about grace. Once again, I'm all for grace. I'm not trying to pick on that today. I'm, I'm saying more than what I was planning on. But, but it's this side of going, man, you really got the heart of the Father wrong. You've really, the, the, the heart that you proclaim so much, you really missed it. Yes? Because once again, the heart of the Father is clear as day in the Bible in many places. Once again, that he, that he disciplines us because it's for our good. He disciplines us because we, uh, he loves us. Amen? Amen. So, listen to me here, okay? This is uh, part of what I want us to grab today. Because the Holy Spirit comes and convicts us. Somebody say convicts. convicts. Now, now, the word convicts simply means this. It means he convinces us. He convinces us. He convinces us of our sin. Okay? Why does he do that? Because he loves us and because he is committed to us. Now, listen. If he didn't love us, he would stand back and allow sin to damage and destroy our lives. Can I just be so bold to say that he wouldn't be that he wouldn't be that different from Satan if that was the case? Because the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. So if he didn't intervene, if he didn't step in and begin to point stuff to us, if he let our lives be damaged and destroyed, then, then they wouldn't be that different. But we all know because of his limitless love, his limitless kindness to us. You can read this on the board that he is willing to make us uncomfortable in our sins so that we will turn away from destructive behavior, destructive thinking, and turn back to him with our whole hearts. Now, let me clarify something today, okay? You know, obviously, God deals with sin like pornography, lying, cheating, stealing, you know, all those things, yes. But, but he also will convict us of our laziness and our pursuit for God. So, so, so don't... don't um, Somehow put things in the category and because one, one of the things that we may talk about this later, but one of the things that really hinder people in this process is they're, they're too busy comparing themselves to other people. And we've got to remember that our divine standard is not other people, it's Jesus. That's who we compare ourselves to because that's the Bible says that's who we're going to be judged according to. Right? That's the book, right? And so, so it's the sense of this that because sometimes we go, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so, then I'm okay. But the problem is, is God may even deal with us and convict us of our self-righteousness. That's right. right? I mean, re- remember, remember what Jesus talked about with the, uh, with the publican and, and, and then, you know, basically with the Pharisee. The Pharisee rolled in there in the temple and said, I thank you that I tithe and I do all these things and, I, and I'm not like that guy over there. And that guy over there was beating his chest. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And I'm not saying we grovel and do all that. But, but Jesus recognized that that guy missed it. And that guy's on to something. Right? Amen. Third thing, and we're almost done. Third essential thing that we need to understand about repentance is, is that there's a huge, huge, huge difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction and condemnation. We're going to be a little short today because I couldn't get the rest of stuff without stretching it. So we're going to be short. But there's a huge difference between conviction and condemnation. And I, and I personally believe that one of the main reasons why people think that there's no need for repentance anymore is because they're confused and they can't discern the difference between conviction and condemnation. 
In other words, that they've had an encounter with condemnation, and that condemnation rocked them so much, they said, well, that's not God, and then they put everything else in that category and backed up. Does that make sense to you guys? So let's, uh, let's just look at the difference here, okay? Condemnation is this. Condemnation comes from Satan. Plain and simple. The Bible says this in Revelation 12.10. It's not going to be on the screen. But it says this. It says, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So we, we know that he stands before God and literally accuses us. And he'll also come to us and try to accuse us as well. Okay, that's Revelation 12.10. So condemnation, because it comes from Satan, is designed to tear us down. It's also designed to produce guilt and shame. Have you ever seen people that just live in guilt and shame? They're, they're living in condemnation. It's also there that, that literally the condemnation comes and tells us repeatedly that we're no good. That condemnation continually points out our failures. Let, let me maybe say this. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a check, so I'm going to stop. Um, I think sometimes when we're around people that always want to point out what's wrong with us, it's because they themselves live in condemnation. Okay? So if you're a person that does that, get before the Lord and say, Jesus, change me, please. Help me not live in condemnation. Free me from that. So the next thing condemnation does is it makes us feel hopeless. Condemnation is also like this. It's like a bad rerun. What I mean by that is it lingers longer than it should. Yes? And, uh, you know, we've all watched some old TV on TV land, whatever, and there's an old show that wasn't that good. They should have never replayed it in the first place, right? But, but it's this thing. As I was going through this, I just remember the time when I was 19 years old, and, uh, and I, didn't, I didn't understand the difference between conviction and condemnation. I've been saved about, I don't know, maybe a little over a year. And I remember sitting in the sound booth of our church, and, and I looked at a guy, and I think I've told you guys this before, but I looked at a guy named Pete Skaggs, who's an older man, and, and I said, Pete, I don't understand. I, 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 just, I just keep asking God to forgive me for this, and I just, I just feel awful. And I mean, literally, the, I can't remember what it was, but I, I had asked God probably a hundred times to forgive me. And, uh, and Pete just looked at me and said, he said, Quentin, did, um, did you mean it? Yes, sir. He said, well, do you think he hurt you the first time? But now looking back, I realize that really wasn't God. <laughs> it might have started with God, but it didn't end with God. Right? And the condemnation kept rolling. And what happened was, is the next thing is that, man, that, that, that little condemnation kept trying to tell me, look, you're not forgiven. You're not forgiven. You're not forgiven. Right? How, how, to, how long do we have to stay in something that we did 20 years ago? We need to forgive, uh, forgive ourselves and just receive the forgiveness of God. And we need to move on. Amen? Amen. So condemnation makes us feel depressed. And, uh, and I think maybe most importantly here, condemnation pushes us away from God. So if, if you're there, and once again, discernment, and this thing's coming at me, is it causing me to go further away from God? If it's causing me to go further away from God, then it's condemnation. Okay, because that, God never pushes his children away. Amen. So it's kind of like this. If you can imagine when your kids running when they were little, trying to jump up in your lap, did you just go, get off me? No. How awesome is that, right? It's like, it's like one of the coolest feelings as a dad is coming home and, and having a kid run at you and give you a hug. Right? Yes? You, you know, I mean, like me, me personally, if, if I discipline one of my children, I still want to leave that note on, hey, look, dad loves you. Right? Because I never want them to feel like I'm pushing them away because they did something wrong. Right? We have to deal with it, yes. But, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't hate your sin more than I love you. Right? 
That was good. All right, here we go. Ultimately, <laughs> I'll help you. That's fine. I'll help you. Y'all are funny. Okay, all right. So condemnation, let me throw this out. Condemnation shows us the problem but avoids the solution. Condemnation shows us the problem but avoids the solution. Okay, on the other hand, let's flip the Bible. Let's, let's flip it and look at the Bible. And let's let's uh, look at this. It says in Romans 8, 1. Says there is therefore now no condemnation. Somebody say no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus. That's pretty good, right? There's now there is there therefore now there's a lot of nows in there. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Throw that list up again, please, that we just had. That we just talked about. Yep, the next, yeah, there we go. All right, listen. Does God ever come and tear us down? No, it's never God's heart. Does God ever try to come and put guilt and shame on us? Absolutely not. Does God tell us we're no good? No. Does he point out our failures? Maybe. But not for long, if we deal with them properly. He, he'll stop when we deal with it. Or we sear our heart. Okay? Does he, does he leave us hopeless? No. Does he, does he continue to nag about something and never let it go away? No. The Bible says he puts in sear forgetfulness. You know, I think one of the coolest things to me about God is that here's a God who knows knows everything, but he chooses to forget. It blows my mind. Okay? So, obviously, does he try to tell us that we are forgiven? No, when we are forgiven, man, there, there's something that comes, a peace in our heart, right? And uh, does he leave us depressed? Absolutely not. Does he push us away from him? No. So, let's flip at the flip side. Let's look at what happens with conviction. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit, and it is rooted in the Word of God. Please don't miss that, that it is rooted in the Word of God. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God breathed and is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Understand the words there, rebuking and correcting, actually talk about convicting. There's a whole lot of uh, verses in the Bible that address this. Uh, some of them use the word reprove, but that word reprove actually is the Greek word for convict. So he definitely convicts us, okay? Y'all with me? So conviction, it provides an opportunity. Somebody say opportunity. An opportunity to be forgiven. That's key. Because just because we're convicted doesn't mean it's guaranteed. We have to respond in accurate, true repentance for forgiveness to happen. Amen? All right, the next one there is that um, conviction is designed to restore us into right fellowship with God. Conviction also allows us to move forward because we're back in uh, restoration, back in right fellowship with God. Um, Conviction gives us hope. Conviction gives us joy. Conviction, let me say it right, gives us joy and gives us peace and also pulls us towards God. So ultimately, we'll throw that up there. Conviction shows us the answer to our problem, and that is the blood of Jesus that wipes away our sins. That's good news, yes? So let me just say this, and, and we'll close. There's a huge need for us to know the difference. We need to be able to discern the difference. And we need to discern the difference, once again, of the difference between conviction and the difference between condemnation. And a large part of that is being able to discern rightly the heart of God. Amen? And so remember, okay, if you want to walk away with something today, remember that he convicts us, once again, because he loves us. And he loves us so much. Why? You know, once again, he loves us, but he loves us enough not to leave us the way we are. Amen. Like, like, you know, Jen and I have four children, and we have one that's a little bit more difficult than the others. 
Okay? <laughs> y'all are laughing because y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Sorry if you've been to class with him. Okay? So, <laughs> thanks for the hope. And so, uh, here's this amazing kid, right? Here's this amazing, amazing, amazing kid. But guess what? I, you know, I don't, you know, there's these sweet, precious moments with him. But I love him enough to realize, man, look, you can't act like that when you're, when you're 20. It's not going to go well for you. It's not going to go well for you at all at 25, at 30. We're, we're going to have to nip it in the bud, as Barney would say, you know, now. And, uh, and man, that boy can take a licking. Okay, so uh, he's tough. He's tough. And um, anyways, see, y'all, I guess I'm, I'm closing by saying, here's a prayer request. And uh, <laughs> Jesus, help us, right? So if you don't mind, go ahead and stand to your feet. <laughs> you know, there's something about, you know, you guys have heard me say it before, but there's something about when... You know, you hear God and, and you, you, you name your children the name that the Lord gives you, right? And so, uh, you know, Jude Alexander, right? Jude means praise. Alexander means defender of man. And there's that piece of his nature that's there. And uh, it's just, it's just uh, steering it in the right direction, right? To understand, you know, we tell him, okay, look, the enemy is not people. Because he's going to be a born fighter. He's, he's a fighter, you know? And, uh, and so he, we, he needs to recognize the enemy, the real one. Amen. All right. Kim, do you mind coming, please? Thank you. If you don't mind, I just want to close our eyes a minute and just kind of open our hearts up to the Lord. I uh, would feel like we would be doing a huge injustice today. If, uh, and I know we didn't go all into it. And I know I didn't, I didn't tell you what repentance really means and all that. We'll, we'll get there. So y'all come back. <laughs> But uh, today, I feel like we would be doing people huge injustice if you're here today and you've never um, did what we first talked about. Maybe you've had a, a, a belief in your head, yeah, that, that God is real, Jesus is real, but you've never really repented. You really have never uh, have turned from your sin and turned towards God. You know, a real uh, generic baby definition of repentance is simply to do a 180 that you were going in one direction you never had that moment where you turned and and you left the your way of doing things and you turned towards god in fact when jesus came and he said repent the kingdom of god is at hand what was the kingdom of god it was basically his ways were at hand so it's turning from your ways and going to his ways and if you never did that today i want to give you an opportunity just to get right with god to come into right fellowship become a son become his daughter um i will say this it's not easy um, but, man, it sure is worth it. So if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I need to repent of my sins. And I need to believe, meaning I need to trust in, I need to hope in, I need to put my confidence in uh, the fact that Jesus shed his blood for me. It's literally the death, burial, and the resurrection. If you need to make that today, uh, just lift a hand up. We're not going to embarrass you. Just say, I need to make that. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Appreciate that. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Good stuff. Wait for five more seconds. Thank you. Awesome. Let's pray, church. If you will, just repeat this after me. Say, Father God, I've come to you today. And I admit, I confess that I need you. I confess that I've done it my way and not yours. But today, 
I choose to turn from my way and I run to you. I ask you, Father, to forgive me of my sins. I ask you today to wash me clean in the blood of Jesus. Today, I put my trust, my hope, my confidence, my faith in you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe that he made a way for me to come to you. So today, I run to you with all of my heart. I give you my life. Give you my life. I give you my life. I give you ownership, God. My life is yours. Thank you for changing me and helping me to follow after you with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, we're going to have a few people up front today. If you, um, if you lifted your hand, I want you to come up and just talk to somebody. Let them pray with you. And uh, just let them take a second just minister to you. I don't, it doesn't really matter if you've done that a hundred times. I want you to come and pray for somebody. So last thing, with all eyes closed. If you say, Pastor, I've been really struggling with condemnation. Man, I need to broke off my life. I really need the power of God to come and break condemnation off of me so I can just get, get uh, running after God in peace. Man, I need peace. If that's you, just lift both hands. Yeah, yeah, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Listen, this isn't for all of you with your hand up. Um, let me put your hands down for a second. Just keep your eyes closed and listen. But hear me, please. Some of you that just lifted your hand, the reason you're battling with that is because you're continuing to allow uh, specific sins that you know are sin, that you that literally that are remaining in your heart, and, and you're refusing to let go of it. And I'm here to tell you today, it's not going to go away. Until you really give God that thing, you let him bring victory in your life. Until you say, man, and that's in true repentance. And say, I'm done with that. I'm walking away from that. And, and I would encourage you to do this. Uh, because even as I said that, there was things that popped up in your heart. And you knew exactly what it was. But your natural response, what you've been doing for a while, is to make excuses and try to say, well, no, it's, it's really this and this and that. No, you just need to hear the heart of God and say, man, I'm done with it. And walk away. And that's the only way. That's the only way to shut the devil's door. It's the only way to shut his mouth is to walk away. Because the Bible says if you resist the enemy, if you do what? You submit to God and you resist the enemy, he will what? He'll flee from you. Please receive that. Because uh, that rerun is getting really old. Uh, we're not supposed to live in Groundhog Day, Bill Murray. All right? What an awful movie. <laughs> Let's pray. If that's you, just lift both hands. Father, I thank you that there's such power, God, in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we just believe today, God, that as every person that has their hands up, that says, man, any condemnation broken off my life. Father, I ask you today to give them the courage to walk away from sin that they know that they've retained in their heart. God, that you would give them the courage, God, to denounce that thing and move to you. 
And so, Lord, those that are maybe just, man, it's not, it's not a sin. It's just been something, man, the devil just won't shut up. Father, we pray today that the devil's door and the devil's mouth would be hushed. In Jesus' name, God, and we pray that the peace of God and literally the, the glory of God would be released over them today. And, Father, we pray that that condemnation be broken even now. God, the bondage, the stronghold, the thoughts. Father, you said we could take captive every thought of every vain imagination that sets itself, God, against the knowledge of God. So, Father, thank you today for setting those people free. God, thank you for freedom and liberty, God, in their hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The first group, let me tell you this. I said that to a while ago, uh, meaning the people that need to let something go. The Bible says this in Acts. It says that we need to repent so that times of refreshing may come. That's the benefit of repentance, that when we repent, times of refreshing will come. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can look up. Awesome.